Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Yes, it is live. Tonight on Piers Morgan Uncensored, Prince Harry prepares to play the victim yet again in a court battle yet again, this time for his security, as the Sussexes remain stonily silent on those baseless racism claims that they started. Is it time, many are asking, including an MP, to strip them of their royal titles? Israel pounds Gaza as a seven-day ceasefire ends with a vengeance. After telling civilians to flee to the south, why are its ground troops now moving there? Our last top advisor to Israel government, Mark Regev. And a shocking new reporting reveals the depravity of Hamas's sexual violence against women. Why did it take the UN's women's rights body 57 days to condemn it? Live from the News Building in London, this is Piers Morgan Uncensored. Good evening from London. Welcome to Piers Morgan Uncensored. It's almost four years now since Harry and Meghan made the groundbreaking announcement. They were quitting the royal family, stepping down as senior royals, moving to the United States and finding freedom. Well, since that moment, they've systematically and relentlessly exploited their existing royal status to make as much money as possible, while simultaneously trashing the royals and the monarchy to preserve their exposure and relevance. I think it's time we brought the Sussex Circus to a formal end. Conservative MP Bob Seeley is now introducing a bill in Parliament to strip them formally of their titles. The Duke and Duchess can be Mr and Mrs like the rest of us, he said. Someone doesn't want to be a royal. That's a decision we respect. They shouldn't keep the titles and privileges if they trash an institution that plays an important part in our nation's life. I think he's right. And as he also says, the baseless racism claims that are now embroiled the King and Princess of Wales, well, they should be the final straw, shouldn't they? The author behind those damning claims, who claims he wasn't the author behind those damning claims, but who else could he have been uh, the author of those damning claims, given it was in the manuscript of his own book in which these damning claims were made? Sussex lab dog Omid Scobie is still tying himself in the web of his own lies. Yeah, what a, what a series of events, right? Um, and what a frustrating experience for me for a book that was so heavily vetted, legaled, I's dotted, T's crossed, and a book that I was extremely proud of, now completely overshadowed by an event that has caused me a lot of frustration as well. We have a full investigation going on into this series of events that happened. Yeah, I know you're frustrated, buddy, but um, imagine how frustrated King Charles is or the Princess of Wales, that somehow they got called racists in a manuscript you claim you didn't actually draft that way. That's frustrating, isn't it? When the entire world is encouraged to think that you were named as racists 
little bit more frustrating than you not being able to work out why a draft of your own book appeared in the Netherlands and was translated from a copy that had the names on it that was sent to them apparently by your agent. How did your agent get that if you didn't write it? Does your agent write your books, Omid? Well, The Times has reported, like I said, but earlier version of the book did contain the names and it was sent to the Dutch publisher. Harry and Meghan have stood by in stunning silence. So unlike them, isn't it? When private conversations of the kind that Meghan had with Charles in private letters uh, began to circulate in this book as well, containing the names of the two people that she and Harry claim were racially insensitive about the potential skin colour of their baby. Now, these two can't normally wait to set the record straight, to sue, to go to court, to hold people to proper account for invasion of private correspondence or conversations. Why aren't they doing it now? They claim that they had nothing to do with Omis Scobie's new book. But you might remember Meghan claiming that about his last book. And then a strange thing happened. She was suing a newspaper, ironically, for invading her privacy over private correspondence. Rather similar to the situation we find ourselves in here. And when it came to the court case, after the book had been published that she had nothing to do with, she was forced to apologise because it turned out that not only had she had something to do with it, she'd given briefing notes to her aide to go to a meeting with Omar Scobie and brief him for the book. So she was a primary source for that book. So I don't know what you make of the silence from the Sussexes. We're into nearly week two now of a deafening, damning silence. Weird, right? Well, the question of whether they should keep their titles in my view, comes down to this. And it's that if you're going to spark a race row, if you're going to accuse two senior members of our royal family of being racists, and if you're going to then deliberately not say the names for two years, so the whole world speculates over which member of this white supremacist family was racist, tarring them all with the brush, if you're going to do that, and then calmly, as Harry did at the start of this year, suddenly go, oh, we didn't mean to say they were racist. No, 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 this was unconscious bias. That thing where someone isn't racist, but someone says they were thinking it. It was that. But we all know what we heard on Oprah. And in my view, they made their racial charge bed and they now should lie in it. And you can't accuse the king of this country or the wife of our future king of this country of being racist and, in my opinion keep the royal titles that you've been so cynically fleecing for the last four years. Or maybe you can. Let's have a debate about this. Journalist Rachel Johnson, uh, Talk TV contributor Paula Ron Adrian, associate editor at The Mirror, Kevin Maguire, and the author and historian Sir Anthony Selden. So a, a fantastically high-powered <laughs> panel tonight. Sir Anthony, let me start with you. Purely kind of constitutionally, historically, is it even possible to wrestle the titles away from them? Well, I, I'm sure it is, Piers. The question is, is it all worth it? And is it going to be what they want because it just makes them more out to be victims of these uh, hateful, exploitative people in Buckingham Palace? Wouldn't it just be better uh, just to, to, to let them uh, be forgotten and not to react? Because by reacting, by doing this, the Bob Seeley idea, 
I think it just makes them into victims, gives them even more publicity. There they are over uh, all the world's headlines again as people, there must be some truth surely in what they're uh, both saying. And I, I think that that is not the right way to handle it. They're both clearly two very, very damaged people. Uh, they need help. I don't think they need stripping their royal titles. See, I would question that. I would say they're very damaging people. Uh, I'm not saying they haven't been through damage. They're that too, Piers. But I think, they're very, I think they've set out to be deliberately damaging to the royal family and the monarchy. They've taken hundreds of millions of dollars to do it. It's almost, it is unprecedented in history for two renegade royals to go off and enrich themselves making money out of targeting it, the royal family, isn't it? We've never seen this before. It's not almost unprecedented, Piers. It is unprecedented for two members of the royal family deliberately to set out to hurt, harm, belittle, besmirch the, the, the monarch uh, and the wife of the heir to the throne. That's unprecedented. Uh, of course it's damaging, but of course the damaging action comes out of damaged people. The question is, I think, just what's the best way to do it? And I think uh, myself, the best way to deal with it is not to give them the oxygen of even more entitlement to the claim of being victims. OK, Rachel Johnson, your view. Well, Sir, Sir Anthony, as ever, as an eminent historian, has uh, put the argument for killing with kindness. Mm. And don't don't give the grifters any more grist to but the, the milk. But the grifters make most of their money because they have they royal do. titles. Of course, the they American do. business model collapses if they're just plain well, Harry and Meghan. Not immediately, it? but does it would it? over time. If they does can't it? slap all over all their correspondence, the that they're just... the Duke and Duchess, what it I... disappears. Possibly, that remains to be seen. We do not know that. It could definitely give them another leg on their, you know, grievance tour. Um, I want to know, I mean, Bob Seeley, who is the liege man of life and limb, mm. who's, you know, withdrawn the flaming scabbard to defend the monarchy, and he's, he's inserted this bill, this private member's mm. bill, which is called something like the Disinheritance of Titles Bill 1917. It must be yeah. on notes. Yeah. So my question and it's is... And just to be clear, it's been used before yeah, to remove the titles of His Royal Germans. Highness Charles Edward, Duke of Albany, Earl of Clarence, Baron Arklow, His Royal uh, Highness Ernest Augustus, the Duke of Cumberland, and Teviot Dale, and Earl of Armagh, and so on. This has been used a lot. But wasn't it mainly used to strip Germans of their titles in 1917? But the curious irony is, if you took the title Duke of Sussex away from Prince Harry, mm. he'd be Harry Mountbatten, which is a German surname. Mm. Anyway, so I'm sure he wouldn't like it. I think, the, OK, so the question is, who has the right to strip these royals of their titles? Is it the House of Commons or is it the Queen? If she took away Princess Diana's HRH, mm. which caused Princess Diana... Which I campaigned huge, for her not to do, by the huge way. Huge upset mirror. and hurt. That was a, a terrible wound yeah. for Princess Diana. This, this would no doubt be a terrible wound for Harry and Meghan because the royals, their titles is who they are. You know, my difference, the difference about Diana was she never attacked the monarchy. She had her issues with her ex-husband. Yeah. But I'd, I campaigned at the Mirror to stop her HRH being taken away because I knew how much it hurt because yeah. she told me. And because it was only taken away because she was deemed to no longer be married to Charles, right? But she didn't attack the monarchy, Paula. And here's the difference between what Diana used to do and what these two are doing. It's their deliberate diminishing and the relentless attacks on the family and the monarchy that I really find offensive now. 
And I don't understand why, if you're going to attack the institution this much and you hate the family this much, why would you want to, A, stay a member of that family or, B, keep titles bestowed on you by the monarchy and the family? I appreciate that you find it personally offensive, Piers, but shall I tell you what I find concerning? That in this discussion about racism, we know that the institution has issues. We know that in 2021, we were supposed to see the appointment of a diversity czar, and I'm still waiting for that appointment. What is a diversity we, czar? Well, we can, discuss, we can discuss that another day. Let, well, let me finish. Well, it's a ludicrous title, Well, Piers, this is important. This is important. The royal family employ a lot more non-white people want to, You than don't they... want to hear it, well, Piers, do you? They you use, don't want they em- to hear it. It's a fact that they employ a lot more non-white people than they used to, right? It's also right. a fact they remain Piers, exclusively white other than the Meghan Markle part of it because they're all a white Piers, family. Piers, don't shut me down on this point because... This is important for you, us You're to distracting away from the alleged racism in this story. Trevor I'm, Phillips, I'm going... Trevor Phillips, who ran the, the Do big... Do you see what's happening here? No, no, I'm asking you a question about this particular topic. I haven't finished answering your first you question. You're talking about other things. I'm not talking about other things. I'm talking about exactly what you're referencing, the allegation of racism, and why it's important for, the, for society as a whole, for, for us to see that the institution is dealing with this. And I'm saying to you... Where is the diversity? What are racism? That we were. What we, racism? Where is the diversity are that we were told was going to be empo- appointed in 2021? We are. were told that this was such an important thing and that it was going to happen. Where's the racism, because Paula? Of the concerns, Paula. Where is the racism? Because of the concerns that Megan had. Yeah, That's what was. What reported. concerns? Secondly, she didn't even hear also, it. We've also she had didn't even reports. Hear it. And by the way, she thought it happened when she was pregnant. Harry said it happened before they got engaged. Shouting me down is, is not going no, to change the nonsense. fact that I'm concerned. So we also have reports, don't we, about issues in relation to how the institution approaches the concerns about, about racism. What we've racism? Had, we've had unfortunate Paula, stories where I accept there was an apology, but what it racism? left a concern, didn't it, when, for example, Princess Michael attended the dinner wearing no, no, her, her, her brooch that caused Do you upset. honestly believe we, we that know, Charles we and know Kate about were racist issue, about that baby We know about colour. the issue in relation Why to you how Lady, Hussey, Lady Hussey and, and how that was dealt with. Right. And what I'm saying to you is, is that there are concerns that have been raised. And it oh, seems, we know about the concerns we, that were raised. To be what I haven't seen is any evidence. That we want to deflect those concerns no, by deflecting. pouring hatred on Harry and Meghan. No, no, they're That's the ones... That's what this no, no, is about. This poor... is about Sorry, hatred of Harry and Meghan. How could you pour more hatred over people than these two who, for four years, have poured hatred on their family and the monarchy and who did it by sparking a racism row on Oprah Winfrey in front of 50 million people where they made allegations of racism and then tried to pretend they hadn't. They've never produced any evidence. I mean, Kevin, this is my, my issue with this whole thing, and it does incense me that we are trying to deal with a story which, at the heart of it, I don't think there's even a story. I don't think this ever happened. As Trevor Phillips said, at worst, what we may be dealing with is that someone in the royal family, Charles, Kate, whoever, may have said, I wonder what what colour the baby might be. That's not racism. No. When you have a mixed-race relationship, it's what every mixed-race relationship family would ask themselves. Why do we keep leaving out the word concerns? Why do we keep leaving that word out? Because what are the concerns? I I read Trevor Phillips' account, because he's a black Briton who's long campaigned against against racism. There are problems with the institution. But Meghan Markle's evidence wouldn't stand up in court because it was hearsay. 
it's something she said. It's, but it's, 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 no, 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 but it's hearsay. She hasn't heard it directly. But of course they should be stripped of those titles. And I think Harry's grandmother, the Queen, made a mistake not taking them away. I think his father, Charles, now the King, has made a mistake not taking them away. They said they wanted to start a new life. Yeah. But that new life actually requires them to have those titles Correct. because their meal ticket is trashing the royal family. I'm intrigued. Now, look, the she, failure, she is from the a, failure wasn't in, in she, about talking. She, the failure she, wasn't in about resolving the problem. What I love is she is, she is, you still failure. believe there was racism. Th that, when even no, Trevor Phillips said very, he's obviously no, not... She's, she's very from a, careful. She, I have never said that I could believe it because I don't know. So we need to be very careful. You don't think it should be incumbent on those who made the allegations to actually say what happened? Um, Why are they silent in the last week? I, I think what's intriguing is is that you have asked them to be silent for so long and now you are demanding that they speak. If they do I'm speak, demanding if that they, they clarify speak, why, their, why their author, with the, the boy answer. they cooperated with on the last Piers, book, why he's able to name Harry's father right, and his sister-in-law as two racists and they say nothing. They say nothing. Do you think that if you continue to shout me down... I think you've got that, to answer some questions if you, if, for them. At some stage, <laughs> if you, you have allowed to, me to... You literally are behaving like a politician. Me, <laughs> if you allowed anyway, me to. If you, can, if you allowed me to. The fact is, should they respond to this? Absolutely they should respond to this. Should King Charles and, and Kate have an opportunity to respond to it? Absolutely. Do you know what I would like to see in terms of a response? I'd like to be, see a joint response. I would like them to come together and send out never a joint happen. response. They don't talk to each other. Well, then... They need to find somebody who does. Then they need to find somebody who does because this isn't unusual, Piers. The yeah. fact that this is a fallout right. in no, a family no, no. is not unusual. Me Megan Markle, yes. yes. Rachel. Kevin wants them to be stripped of their titles. Uh, Bob Seeley wants them to be stripped of their titles. I want them to be stripped. You of their do. Titles. The fact remains that you could strip them of the title Duke and mm. Duchess of Sussex, but you cannot remove the fact that he is a prince of the blood. You can stop he calling is the him son a prince. of the king. You stop calling him a title. I don't think you can. I think it's literally like. All right. Let's turn to let's turn quickly to something it's else, which is while we've got Sir Anthony, I want to ask you about um, this whole furore over Keir Starmer appearing to praise uh, Margaret Thatcher as one of the great uh, biographers of our prime ministers over the years. What do you make of this? Is it is it political expediency, a smart move, or is it potential political suicide? It's a smart move. It's a smart move. And uh, Tony Blair uh, leant out towards Margaret Thatcher. Gordon Brown had her into tea in Downing Street. Gordon Brown, to the left of Tony Blair, had the Iron Lady into Downing Street for two hours. Mm. And uh, the press release afterwards said there was a, a meeting of minds. I mean, look, Piers, we are a conservative nation. Labour is only going to win if it attracts significant middle ground Tory voters and what better thing to do than attract the one truly successful conservative leader of the last 50 years and that is Margaret Thatcher and to to praise her is simply smart politics but also it's showing that uh, he wants to be like her he wants to be that leader coming in at the beginning of a single party period of long domination. Labour could be in power for 10, 15 years. He wants to be a figure like Thatcher, who started that period off, or like Clement Attlee, one of his heroes, maybe even like Blair himself, although right. he's a bit more muted about that. So yeah. smart smart move, smart electorally, smart uh, politically, 
smart in terms of his own mark as a leader. OK, I guess three smarts from the great historian. Kevin, you yeah. were smarting as you heard that. <laughs> I was, actually, yeah. I think, look, Britain's a social democratic nation, not a conservative nation. All our, all our values are social dem democratic. I think Blair, um, Why have we voted conservative for the Blair, last 15 years? That's because the opposition is split between ah. Labour, Liberal Democrats and Nats, who are all in a similar, similar pool. But the Conservatives are very good as a ruling party of coalescing... But is it not quite smart? No, it's not. I'll tell you why it's not. Because, to widen his because, base. Because wounds are still so deep from her reign in the 80s, when so many people suffered from greed is good, fat cats roaring ahead, flogging off national assets on the cheap to our mates, trying to cripple trade unions, turbocharging inequality. He didn't have to do this, and you can tell, and I, follow, I followed him through this, mm. you can tell he's now tired of it and he'll wish he hadn't done it okay. because he's getting so much criticism over it. very amusing because mm. I was beginning to wonder when Keir Starmer would give the, the lefty commentariat something, mm. you know, to be angry about. Mm. And finally... Hang on, it, hang on. We've, no, we've no, had, no, had two years of this, it. actually, yeah. as he's okay. ditched his, uh, well, his is, initial yeah. proposals. Keir Starmer stopped being a loony we... lefty. They've all gone bonkers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Ever since he saw the light and became relatively normal. <laughs> no, but now they've got something to give him a pop at. And, yeah. um, what do you think? I thought Marmot? it was a cal yeah, calculated risk. I think it's going to pay off because people think Margaret Thatcher was one of the great prime ministers. Yeah. And, of course, she came to power on the back of Labour votes. He's going to come to power on the back of Labour votes as well. And, well, we have, and we have I mean, to Tory be... votes. Look, even during, yeah, her, Tory sorry, votes. But even during her reign, the majority of people were against her because she could win on the election well, system we have in the UK with a minority kept, of the votes. But you know what? She kept winning elections, be like, because, like Tony Blair did. Yeah. Because the opposition was split. But this yeah. idea... But if you don't, this don't, idea don't, is don't, revered so now. Paula, if you don't win elections, you don't you don't have power. You don't have power, you can't do it. the opposition. Well, you need an electoral system. You need an electoral system. Look at me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't want to. I'll answer my questions, but yeah, daggers, a quick, daggers, quick verdict. Smart move or not? Smart move. Yeah, smart move. Okay. Had to be done. Yeah. All right, interesting. Mostly, most people think it's a smart move. I think it's a smart move. I think he's a smart guy. And if things stay as they are, he's heading into power. So oh, he's, he's going, going to. to. Yeah, but the conservatives are making uh, yeah, a very good job of uh, ensuring yes, that. Yes, but lose. as someone here, his brother could tell you, a year's a long time in politics. <laughs> as he found out, yes. <laughs> are you looking forward to seeing your yeah. brother in the COVID inquiry this week? I think oh. it's tomorrow, isn't tomorrow, it? Tomorrow, is it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, uh, yeah, I'm not going to. I'm going to recuse myself on that subject. Mm. Just get into trouble. Yeah, because you don't agree with him. Uh, good to see you, <laughs> uh, all of you. Thank you very much. And Sir Anthony, thank you very much. I'm sense of next millions of gardens are sheltering in the south of the Gaza Strip after being ordered to leave the north. Now Israel's stepping up its attacks there too. So where are civilians supposed to go? What are they going to go back to? Israel government spokesman Mark Regev joins me next. Welcome back. Well, days after a truce with Hamas collapsed, Israeli forces have turned their focus to southern Gaza, hitting areas where hundreds of thousands of Palestinians have sought shelter since the start of the war. Turkey's President Erdogan today denounced Benjamin Netanyahu as a butcher and said he would eventually be tried as a war criminal. Well, joining me now from Tel Aviv is the Prime Minister's senior advisor, Mark Regev. Mr Regev, thank you very much indeed for joining me again. Your reaction, first of all... My pleasure. Your reaction, first of all, to President Erdogan, who said that uh, of the Prime Minister, beyond... Being a war criminal, Netanyahu is the butcher of Gaza right now, will be tried as the butcher of Gaza, just as Milosevic was tried. What is your reaction to that? I, of course, don't accept the criticism. And unfortunately, this is not out of, uh, uh, out of uh, uh, 
character for, for the Turkish leadership, which has, of course, been very critical over the years of, of Israel and very supportive, I should say, of Hamas. The big question now is exactly what is the game plan for Israel? You're moving into the south. There are, as we know, two million Palestinians now crowded into a 90-square-mile area. Um, this is already clearly, I would say, indisputably a humanitarian crisis there. But also, they were told to go south to be safe. Now they're being attacked in the south. Nowhere is safe now in Gaza. Would you accept that? No. When we, when we told people to relocate to the south, it was true. The, the fighting was concentrating in the north, and we asked people to move to the south because they'd be safer. And that was true then. Now the operation is continuing into areas of the south, and we've specified, as has been widely reported, specific areas in the south which remain safer zones, and we've urged people to relocate there. Now, we know it's difficult to move. Uh, my father was a refugee. He had to move from place to place in the Second World War to, to save his life. I know it's difficult to move, but surely it's better to move than it is to stay in a combat zone and get caught up in crossfire. It's all a matter of managing risk. We want to see civilians outside combat zones. We don't want to see them accidentally hurt. It's best for them to move. And the truth is, we're seeing now Gazans are voting with their feet and are moving to the areas which we've specified as safer areas. But eventually, this operation is going to clearly lead to you attacking all over Gaza. Where do they eventually move, all these people? Is the operation actually designed to permanently displace the Palestinian people, as some fear? No, not at all. Uh, and, and we hope that people can, when the fighting is over, that people can go back to their homes and where homes have been destroyed because of the fighting, there'll be temporary shelters for them, I hope. Uh, but, but it is common sense. Our enemy is Hamas. And as you know, Hamas has embedded itself in civilian neighbourhoods, in mosques, in schools, uh, in hospitals, unfortunately. And, and we've had to fight Hamas and we will defeat Hamas. But once Hamas is defeated... Of course, we'll be allowing people to return to their homes. And of course, uh, well, there'll be a massive rebuilding and reconstruction campaign of Gaza. That's going to be needed. How many terrorists have you killed? So I can't give you an exact amount because the war is still going on. But we, we see the, the death toll in, 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 in fatalities on the terrorist side in the thousands. But if you don't know, how do you know, if you know what I mean? Well, we've got, we've got estimates, but because we're not sure, uh, and I'll explain to you why we're not sure, you, you blow up a, an underground bunker, yes, which Hamas has got these underground fortifications across the Gaza Strip. You destroy it. You, you don't necessarily know if there were 10 terrorists inside or 20 or 50, yes, because you've destroyed an un, underground uh, uh, fortification. So it's all based on approximations. When this is over, I think we'll have a more precise uh, understanding of the numbers. But I've been in uh, briefings... And I've heard the numbers. It's in the thousands. Right. I mean, I hear this from the Israeli side, but nobody seems to be able to produce any concrete evidence. And I understand slightly the fog of war, but the significance of this is that if you can't actually produce hard evidence of how many Hamas terrorists you're, you're killing and the death toll of innocent civilians keeps rising and rising and rising, as it has done now, over 15,000 uh, by the Hamas-run health authorities' estimation. You know, you know the public opprobrium that's coming Israel's way the longer this goes on. Isn't it incumbent on Israel to actually be able to produce clear evidence of the volume of Hamas terrorists you're killing? Because if there are 35,000 of them, 
and you've only killed 1,000 or 2,000 so far, then the fear is that the civilian death toll is going to be 100,000, 200,000 before you can even think about eradicating Hamas. What is the, the line for Israel? Is there one? Or is there no limit on civilian casualties so long as you've still got Hamas terrorists to kill? So, first of all, we don't want to see a single civilian casualty. You've heard me say that before, and we mean it. We don't want to see civilians caught up in the crossfire. That's why we're urging people to leave combat zones. It's common sense. If we don't want to see them get caught up in the fighting between the Israeli Defense Forces and Hamas, please, we urge people to leave combat zones. And most of the, the, the civilians do so. Uh, Hamas, as, as you know, and has been reported, they've urged people to stay, ordered people to stay even at gunpoint because they want those guys and civilians as a human shield. But white right-minded person agrees to be a human shield for Hamas. Of course they want to leave, and we have to facilitate their leave. And even now, as, as we move towards our uh, ground incursion in the south, I can assure you that escape routes will be there for the civilians to still reach the safe areas, because we don't want to see them come into harm's way. And we'll make every effort possible. About the numbers, and you ask a good question. Uh, uh, look, we could just articulate numbers the way Hamas does and just make them up and, and throw them out there. No, we're very precise. And if we don't have a precise number, we're not going to make one up. When you say, when I say in the thousands, I know what I'm talking about. It's more than 2,000. It's in the thousands. Uh, but we don't want to say numbers that we're not 100% sure. But I can say something that we are sure of. Uh, uh, look, we're fighting a difficult war against a brutal terrorist organization in, a, in an urban area. And we, if we compare ourselves to, let's say, what, what the West did against ISIS in places like Mosul and, and, and Fallujah, I am sure when this is over, and you can have me back if this is not true, but I am sure, because I know this to be the, the, the case. When one looks at the, the, what, what they, the experts call the, the combat to civilian death ratio, yes, and you will compare the IDF's behavior in Gaza together with, uh, against what the West did in, let's say, places like Mosul and Fallujah, I think the IDF's going to come out very favorably. How favorably will Israel come out with what's going on with the settlers on the West Bank? I watched a very disturbing report on the BBC from Jeremy Bowen tonight, where there is clear, uh, huge aggression from Israeli settlers against Palestinians, a lot of deaths, and Hamas are not involved there. They're not the controlling body. How do you feel about that? So, first of all, we did have a terrible terrorist attack in Jerusalem just a few days ago where Hamas uh, shot at people uh, waiting at a bus stop on their way to work. I think that was, was that Friday morning or Thursday morning last week? That was widely reported. Uh, Hamas doesn't control the West Bank, but Hamas has violent cells across the West Bank that are there, and they've wanted to activate those cells. And that's why we, we had those murderous attacks in Jerusalem uh, just a few days ago. Hamas is there. They're more underground on the West Bank, but they're still a threat. And we've tried to be as proactive as we can be in trying to go out there and arrest Hamas activists. Look, Hamas in Gaza is under a lot of pressure, so they've sent messages to all their cells in the West Bank, this is a time for you guys to kill Jews, yes? And, and they succeeded, unfortunately, last week, but we have limited their ability to, to kill people by being proactive, arresting people in the middle of the night, but does taking out these out, Hamas but activists. does wiping out villages um, and looking like you are encroaching more and more with the settlements throughout this conflict, is that not just incredibly inflammatory? Uh, to the Palestinian I'm people sorry, living uh, in the West Bank. Uh, 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 Piers, there's been no villages that have been wiped out. Well, I, I literally saw what, one on the BBC where, where it's been almost demolished and the people have been displaced. 200 or so had been displaced permanently. So, so once again, I, I'm not sure what you're talking about, uh, and I apologise for not having that information. 
But the Israeli policy on the West Bank is to live and let live, yes? And that's, if Palestinians that's not are not involved in violence... Mr. Regev, with respect. That's not, that's not what has been I disagree. Happening. I mean, it's obviously been a difficult period, but we have so far managed to keep, and despite the fatalities we had last week, yes, it could be a lot worse. But through our actions, we've managed to keep the level of violence on the West Bank relatively low. I mean, the Hamas people want to see an explosion on the West Bank. That's what they want. They want to see Hamas activists get on, the, on, on, on jeeps like they did in Gaza and come into Jewish communities and butcher people. That's what they want to see. And so far, once again, we had fatalities last week, but I think overall we've managed to keep the level of violence relatively low, and that's a good thing for Israelis okay. and Palestinians. Final question. What is victory going to look like here? I mean, if there are still Hamas terrorists alive at the end of this, is that victory, or do they simply bide their time, regroup and come back at Israel even stronger because so many people will have been killed by then in Gaza. So when, victory is the destruction of Hamas's military machine and the end of their political control over the Gaza Strip, a bit like victory over ISIS in Iraq and Syria. You didn't have to kill every last ISIS uh, gunman, but you destroyed their territorial independence, you destroyed their ability to, to control an enclave because that gives them power. We can't destroy the Hamas idea just as you can't destroy the ISIS idea. But you can remove from them the capability to inflict pain on others. And, and we believe that once we have destroyed Hamas's terror regime in Gaza, there'll be room uh, to build something uh, better for the Palestinians. Uh, they can build it themselves. We'll support them. Uh, uh, but let's be clear here. When this is over, Hamas's path of extremism, of radicalism, of violence, of terror will be discredited, not because it hurt us, but because it hurt the people of Gaza. I mean, the people of Gaza are not stupid. They can see who started this war, who brought all this destruction upon them, who even ended the ceasefire by refusing to, to release more hostages. The people of Gaza know this. They can't speak their minds today because they live in a terrible dictatorial state. Uh, Hamas does not allow people to criticize them and, and not face consequences, violent consequences. But when this is over and the people of Gaza can speak, they will say that Hamas brought this tragedy upon them and there'll be room, I think, to work with Palestinian moderates to build a better future for Gaza. It's good for Israel, it's good for Gazans. Uh, Mr. Ogier, thank you very much. One question for you. Uh, I would love to interview Prime Minister Netanyahu. I interviewed him back in March when he was in London. I've put in a number of requests. He's not spoken yet to any European media entity, only American ones. Could we have an interview with Prime Minister Netanyahu? So, so I'll, I'll check that out with the Prime Minister. I know he's interviewed in the past and he's enjoyed that and he could well do it again. I just can't commit for him at the moment. Uh, he has been focused on American media. I think we've done, uh, I think 95% of our interviews have been you directed have, yeah. to the US market That's... because the US market, the Americans are our most important ally, as you well understand. Well, Britain has uh, proven and, uh, to be a pretty good ally too, so that's why I'm asking the question. I think it, it might be... You are 100% correct. Britain, Britain has been a good ally in this, in mm. this conflict and so has Germany. And we know to appreciate our friends. Well, it, we would be good to, Britain, it would be good to be able to interview the Prime Minister if he could spare us the time. You can pass that message to him. Uh, I'll, I will speak to him about it the next time I see him. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Mr Regev. Thank you. On no, the next, the UN's women's rights body finally condemns Hamas for its appalling sexual violence almost two months after the attack. My next guest says it's feminist to support Palestine and demand a ceasefire. Well, that's a debate coming up. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? 
United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back. There's a shocking and growing body of evidence that Hamas used extreme sexual violence against women throughout its attacks on October the 7th. UN Women has been strongly criticised for taking 57 days to condemn those atrocities. Why did it take them so long to say something? Why have we so many in the feminist movement? Uh, why have they sided with Palestine, a culture where women's rights barely exist? Well, these are important questions. Joining me now is Chief Foreign Correspondent, Sunday Times' Christina Land, the host of Tommy Lehrer. He's fearless and outkick Tommy Lehrer and author and journalist Judith Levine. Well, thank you, all of you. Christina, let me start with you. You wrote this gut-wrenching piece of journalism uh, on Sunday. It really moved me almost to tears, actually, reading the detail of what you'd unearthed about the barbaric rapes and sexual attacks on women on October the 7th. Just summarise, really, your findings. Yeah, I mean, we should warn viewers that it's um, horrific, but basically I talked to a lot of people, but in particular I talked to survivors of the Supernova Music Festival... Mm which was one of the places that was attacked by Hamas on October the 7th. And some of those people told me about witnessing girls being raped, gang raped. Um, One man in particular who um, hid under the body of a woman that was shot and then was uh, for hours trying to get out of there... He saw a number of girls being raped, but he told me in particular about one who was raped by about 10 Hamas fighters, um, and she was just begging them to kill her, actually, because she was just... It was just so horrific what they were doing. And he said that she had the face of an angel and that he wakes every night now to see that face. And they did, in the end, kill her, I think, yes, in that case. Yes, they did. They shot um, her. It, it was incredibly disturbing as has been some of the reaction to all these revelations. You know, normally you would see the feminist movement around the world rallying as one to speak out about this, and yet we're seeing a lot of silence. We're seeing a lot of female congresswomen in America going out of their way not to condemn what happened, to try and deflect. It's been a very bizarre reaction. What do you make of that? No, absolutely. I think this has all got mixed up in the politics of it. And, you know, whatever you think, I mean, I personally think you can 
completely it's completely compatible to be horrified by what Israel is doing in Gaza in terms of the number of civilians that have been killed and be horrified at what happened on October the 7th. And it was very strange that feminist groups, the UN, others around the world did not speak about it because, you know, there was really, right from the beginning, on the actual day, Hamas was live-streaming videos, which made clear... They were doing it in plain sight and boasting gleefully about what they were doing. But UN women... I mean, if they they can't speak out sooner than 57 days on the systematic rape and abuse and murder of women, what's their purpose? I mean, the one thing I would say, having covered this a lot in different conflicts, it does often take a long time to come out. And that's because, you know, this is such a difficult thing for people to come out and speak about. As we all know, rape is the one crime where the victim is often made to feel that they did something Mm. wrong. So it's hard for people to talk about it. They're horrific things that have happened. And in this case, people will say, well, well where are the victims, mm-hmm. right? And we know victims have actually come forward and spoken. Yes. Now, that may be because they were all killed or taken hostage, or it may be that there are some... And the State Department in America was saying today they believe a lot of the female hostages who've not been released are being sexually... I'm afraid, you know, I'm sad to say, I think that that is happening. I spoke to the mother of a 23-year-old who was taken hostage at that festival, and she's, you know, absolutely tearing herself apart Mm. thinking. I mean, she says, I have to not think about that. It's horrific. Horrific. um, Let me bring in uh, Tommy and Judith here. So, Tommy, what is going on here? Why are so many female so-called progressives simply finding it impossible to come out and scream from the rooftops about the systematic rape and sexual abuse of women by Hamas. Well, Piers, it's because the modern-day feminist movement is a farce and it's a joke. They don't stand up for women, Israeli women, who are brutally raped and tortured. They don't stand up for women's sports, the integrity of our sports and our spaces. They don't stand up for anything beyond unfettered abortions. The modern-day feminist movement is not the feminist movement that was created to empower women, to protect women, to guide women. Now it's about abortion and that's about it. And I wish that weren't the case. The U.N is also worthless. Why we in the United States continue to fund that body is beyond me. But it's also quite disgusting to watch American politicians play the mental gymnastics around what happened on October 7th and try to then repeatedly turn it back on Israel as if Israeli soldiers are indiscriminately raping those in Palestine and in Gaza, which we know is not the case. So what this is, is evil. It's blatant anti-Semitism and it needs to be called out forcefully and at every turn. Feminism is a joke, the UN is a joke, and unfortunately, a lot of our American politicians also a joke, Piers. Okay, Judith, your response to that? Uh, Well, as a Jewish American feminist, I would uh, argue with the idea that uh, American feminists are not uh, deploring the, or Jews, or even people, as Christina said, who are deploring what Israel is doing in Palestine also uh, speak about the atrocities that Hamas has committed against uh, Jewish people in in Israel and and elsewhere and against their own people as well. So uh, it is completely consistent 
to look at both of these things happening and also to say that um, as many um, activists and people with long experience on both sides of the walls have said that uh, neither the Palestinians nor the Jews in Israel or anybody else in Israel will have security unless there is peace uh, and as unless there is justice uh, in Palestine. These are people, the Jews are not going anywhere, the Palestinians are not going anywhere, only some kind of political solution is possible. And uh, I would remind Tommy that uh, feminists are really the people who speak about rape. We're the only people really who speak constantly about rape. Uh, what happened, I, I think probably what happened, uh, as Christina said in the UN, is that everything moves really slowly at the UN. Uh, the UN gathers information, then they have to have some sort of consensus on what they put out. And so I don't know that there was some sort of, you know, conspiracy against Jews in not publishing uh, what happened. Um, and also, okay. those particular horrific acts came out later. Yeah, I think we all knew, though, from, from day one, a lot of rape had occurred because it was being boasted about by the people yeah. doing the raping, and that's the key difference. I also think with the yes. UN women, had you know, had Hamas used the wrong personal pronouns that day, they'd have been straight on it on Twitter because that's the uh, that's unfortunately what they seem to be seeing as one of their priorities, and I find that ridiculous. Um, but anyway, uh, thank you to my panel, greatly appreciate it. Christina. What an amazing piece of journalism at the weekend, honestly, one of the most powerful things I've read in a long long time. You do incredible work. Thank you. Uh, even though it was, it was incredibly distressing, it's so important. So, thank you. Thank you very much. Uncensored next, Riz is Oxford University's word of the year, but what is Riz? Am I Riz? Do I want to be Riz? Pack will tell me next. Welcome back to Uncensored. I'm joined by my packed talk TV contributor Esther Cracker and by the political journalist Ava Santini, who I last saw on the morning show this morning. So a big stint for you today <laughs> on Talk TV. Congratulations. I <laughs> can't get enough. Uh, exactly, exactly. Um, let's talk immigration, Esther. Big new five-point rollout by the new Home Secretary, James Cleverly, designed to target and bring down our legal migration numbers. What do you make of it? Well, this cabinet is clearly obsessed with five points. I don't know why. Um, but I do think that it, it's addressing some hard truths. At the end of the day, you know, the government has to realise that this kind of uh, uh, immigration is unsustainable. They've raised the minimum um, threshold to get a work visa to... Um, salary threshold to 38,700, which is, like, over £10,000 above the minimum now. And excludes the NHS and care Exactly. Workers, right? But you cannot offer a 20% work um, sort of discount for workers in, in areas that have uh, shortages, mm. which totally makes sense. At the end of the Britain has to make a choice. We can be drunk on, on foreign labour and be obsessed with mass migration, or we can choose to make these businesses make hard choices, to train up and, and scale up our own population. Right, and the problem it seemed to me, Ava, with, with the whole thing, is when you look at you crunch the numbers, take the ones who come in for our health and care service, right? There were like 100 or 1,000 that had come in, but there were 120,000 dependents who came mm. with them. Exactly. And of those, only 25% were getting work. So 75% were basically living off the state. That seems to me to be... Part of the problem, the execution of a previous plan 
was flawed. So you're going to invite people to come over here and work in our NHS and serve us, serve us, mm. you know, serve the country, and then tell them they they're can't not bring serving, their they're can't bring paid. their spouse with them. But look, look, you know, they're, you they're getting about, paid. Hang on. Do you recognise that? We talked about hard truths a minute ago. Let's talk about actual hard truths. Okay, so the Conservatives right now haven't built any housing. They haven't built, you know, they haven't brought in any more GPs. We've got mm. a failing NHS. Why is that? It's because of the government. It's nothing to do with immigration. The, if no, you, it, actually, it's actually no, not to do with immigration. Numbers with immigration. With all the points you've made, with all the points you've made, you worsen it by having uncontrolled mass migration. Because if we're not building enough houses, it doesn't help migration. to have 750,000 people more coming in. a cultural issue that doesn't exist. If you well, actually hang on, hang on. Hey, we just had record 750,000 net mm -hmm. migration last mm -hmm. year. That is uncontrolled and we've got an aging, migration. And we've got an ageing population that is dependent on the state pension, so we need to have... We actually have a... Here. I'm I sorry, what? We do have, in my estimation, one of the biggest problems, we have a lazy, entitled population where five million people are now off no. work because they're six all million. sick, right? Six, six million. million. You sound it's like that, that, that book that Quasi Quarting and it's Dominic Marlborough... It's a joke. Well, he's it's a joke. And by the way, a third we've, of that we've six million... We've working in this country. Don't have to okay, look but work. now we're conflating two different issues here because let's actually look at migration. Let's look at, that, you know, the numbers or the amount of money that immigration brings in. They are, they're net 3% positive. That's how much they bring but to our economy. But half of that, half of that migration... So you would carry on... You would, just to be clear, you would carry on allowing three-quarters of a million people a year net to come into this country. Yes, I would. So I over the next ten that. years, you'd have nearly eight million because people pe come in. I would argue legally. Well, you would argue, but you would be wrong. So the population would increase by on. that. You can't both go to me. Let me actually answer. We argued for this during Brexit. You wanted global Britain. We wanted, you know, we wanted to, to control to our borders. Freely. And you wanted no. That's not what you this wanted. Looks like. People to contribute to the economy, and people are coming in here. And, and right. guess what? Half of those people are not doing that because they're all dependent. Unrestrained migration. Fine, we've got your position, and it's going to be. 100 million people here, yeah. and no one will have a job, no one can go to the hospital, nothing. The Aversantine of positive. Very quickly, yeah. let's talk about Riz. Are you yeah. Riz? Am I, I Riz? Are you Riz? I, I hate that word. Um, the Oxford University Press says it's the word of the year. Internet slang apparently for romantic appeal or charm. It means mm. to chat up. If you have, if you had good chat. But do I have Riz or not? Yeah, I've seen your wife. You obviously have good chat. <laughs> you obviously have Riz. But does it work on you? Uh, yes, I, it actually does. I require Riz. But Ava, it's, am I, am it, I Riz? It's not just in dating, you know. It's like, you know, so when you're interviewing someone, you've got a bit of Riz. You know, you, you have people in here who you've never met before and you can get good stuff good out chat. of them. Thank That's you. a bit of Riz. I think yeah. you, and do women have Riz too? Um, depends I don't on the woman. No, I depend on Mainly I, men. I, I don't really have Riz. I don't need Riz. I don't like to give a lot of Riz, yeah. I don't, I don't need it. You yeah. know what? I'll take... <laughs> we take Riz. I'll take yeah, a little... Should we all agree yeah. we've all got a little bit of Riz? A little bit. It's, it's a sprinkle. Yeah. Good to see you, Pat. That's it from me. Whatever you're up to, keep it uncentered and keep a bit of Riz in your life. Good night. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.